Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech lost to BC 35-28. Robbie, I am sufficiently bummed out. How you feeling, man? I'm sufficiently bummed out, but uh, luckily, as I always say after games like that, we've had a few days to uh, to calm down. Luckily, we don't do the the quick recording that a lot of people uh, may do or a lot of the national podcasts do where they try and get something out really fast because I think uh, it would not have gone very well. But I've had I've had days to get my mind right and think about uh, how the game went and what my expectation is for us moving forward. Yeah, I'm always appreciative of the couple of days after they pass. When I think about it that morning and we're going to record, I'm like, thank God we didn't do this on Sunday. <laughs> Why don't you give us a cheers and get us kicked off? So uh, tough to to give a, a real positive cheers. I will say probably the best I can, I can do right now is um, to a lot of the younger players that I think stepped up during the game. I think we saw some talent out on the field. Um, of, of some of the um, guys that are coming up, whether it's some of the wide receivers or, you know, just, uh, you know, what we, what we saw out there, I think gives a lot of hope for the future, but it's more forward looking than probably I would like, whether it was King or was Robinson or, you know, some of the names that we had been kind of following and seeing what they were going to do on the field. I'll give a big cheers to them and um, to the team, you know, sucking up this this loss and getting ready to to move on, and um, you know, thinking about the rest of the season, the next eleven games to come. Cheers. I have uh, pretty much twisted myself in knots, going back and forth on this game, between positive spin and negative snarky comments that I've made to to you or other friends and then I've got some bright side statements you know and then I'll mix in a cynical remark it's just there are so many like but this and then also this but if you look at it this way so it's been tough to just kind of go through it because we had built ourselves up to 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 a win I really thought we were going to win you really thought we were going to win we're we're going against a team with a lot of question marks and maybe since we cover our team closely, we thought we had far fewer than we actually did. But I think uh, some poor play and just some mistakes might have gotten the best of us more so than our prediction being completely and totally wrong, which it kind of was, but also wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it cuts both ways, depending on how you look at it. And um, you could say that there's five plays that could have changed the outcome of the whole game. <laughs> yeah. Let's do news and notes real quick before we get into the game recap. There were a number of injuries in the game, some more serious than others. It looks like running back Jalen Holston is going to be out. He had surgery on what I believe was his ankle, uh, at least a lower leg injury is what I saw. He's going to miss several weeks, and we don't really know when he'll be back. Our center, Zachariah Hoyt, who is very key, to our offense at this point with with Brock Hoffman not playing he looked like uh, like what looked like a serious injury might only be a day-to-day injury at this point Fuente made um, a comment I think it was on Tech Talk Live saying that he's going to be fine Garbett went out in the first series that was a breakout candidate defensive end 
and you're in the first series of a game against a really tough running back, and he's gone, so that sucked. Uh, Quillen, one of our few seniors, he got banged up when he was on crutches. I think he's also day-to-day. Hazleton, a wide receiver we were relying on, didn't even play. (laughs) 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 Something neither one of us saw coming. Porcher didn't travel. I think you texted me that like that morning or something. I didn't I didn't know about it. It was it wasn't good, man. <laughs> and then you had Trey Turner as well. Yeah. It was um it's it was about what you expect when you play Boston College. Like that's that's all you know you're gonna get is uh, you know, a, a rough game and some of that was obviously before the game started. Some of it was just, you know, crazy contact that happened during the game, but um, it was physical. Let's just put it that way at it the, was. at the line and in a lot of different areas and a couple of the hits that I saw, I mean, even to our wide receivers were, were, were pretty intense. So, um, I almost walk away from it, um, and not feeling good, but I think the damage could have even been worse. <laughs> yeah. And especially with regard to Trey Turner, who looked like he pulled a hammy and the announcers just kept saying it over and over again. But, it was really did look like a cramping issue, and that's what we're now been told and confirmed that it was. And Trey tweeted out saying like he's good. Um, it looked like bad cramps, and they were right where the hamstrings are. <laughs> but uh, it does seem like he'll be fine, which is good. And he did try to tough it out, which I respect. Yeah, and you know we were. <laughs> I think everybody's a little bit worried that he was still out there, given how critical uh, he is to the team. But uh, I'm just happy. And it sounds like he is fine because you do not, in that position, you do not want a hammy problem. That does not work out very well. No. And I didn't really have many other news and notes, uh, but I did want to mention our pick again. It is starting tomorrow, yes, pretty much. When, by the time you hear this, the picks will be up, the lines will be up, and you'll be able to pick the games. And since we got so many entries, initially we were just going to, put the seven or so games that we pick every week into the pick them. But with so many people, we figure if you only pick seven games, you're going to have like five or 10 people tied at the top every week. So we wanted to give it a little bit more variance. There will be 15 games to pick all the 15 games that CBS allows us to do. We're going to do them all. And we, we won't obviously be able to talk about all of those lines every week. We're still going to talk about the lines in the ACC games and most of the ones we pick, but all 15 games, unfortunately, we will not be able to talk about that, but that's fine. You guys will still get to pick them, and every week we'll try to recognize who won for the week and that kind of thing. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Sorry for having to pivot on this. It was our first time using that pick them, and uh, next year we may be moving on to a new platform that's a little bit uh, easier to use and doesn't um, have quite so many complications, but it should be fun. Um, and like you said, you know, it's going to be a little bit different from our picks, which are always, you know, making sure that we cover down on the ACC, uh, first and foremost, and then we hit some of the big games. This is going to be enough that will separate what I think is, I think there's almost 50 people in the league at this point. So, um, it's, uh, it's a big crew. So we need to, you and I end up being within a couple games of each other every year. So when you spread that out to 50 people, uh, I think we might've had some people tied at the top or, or if we didn't, uh, spread it out a little bit more. Well, it's also going to be interesting because we're going to be picking games that were not really very familiar with the teams. Like we pick ACC games or at least one of the teams in the game is usually in the ACC or it's Bama or Georgia or teams that we just see a lot. 
but now we're, we're picking Oregon and Nevada this upcoming week, you know? So yeah. it's going to get a little wild and uh, it should be cool though. Cause whoever does win will probably be pretty darn close to 60%, if not over on picks, just cause there's 50 people. Like someone's going to have a really good season. So yeah, it will be cool. All right, let's get into the game recap. There were two three and outs by both teams to start off. BC took a seven, nothing lead on the Anthony Brown pass to Zay flowers. The, Redshirt freshman, uh, which I last week I said true, but he's actually a redshirt freshman, was everything that we thought he could be, and he kept getting behind our defense early on. We did score the next two touchdowns, beautiful bomb to Grimsley, and then the nice catch, stretch, and score by Robinson, 14-7 VT. BC answered that with a nine-play, 75-yard drive, capped with a 17-yard TD run by A.J. Dillon, who had a pretty good game. It was tied 14-14 to when the wheels started to come off for Tech. Our next six drives resulted in a fumble, a punt, a fumble, an interception, a punt, and an interception. It, it was not good for a long stretch in the middle of the game there. We gave BC a couple short fields. They took advantage. 28-14 lead into half for BC. Fortunately, the second half defense came out strong for three straight three and outs. We got it back within seven, but BC punched in what would be the game-winning touchdown midway through the fourth. It was a 10-play, 56-yard drive where they ran it nine straight times. Just brutal. And despite a late touchdown, we did come up seven points short. VT lost 35-28. to The story of the game was the shaky QB play and the turnovers by Ryan Willis. And I, I, I'm not discounting the muffed punt by Grimsley because that was big too, but it was really all about the quarterback. Yeah, it'll be... All about the quarterback on both sides. Uh, we may look back at this game, you know, towards the end of the season if the team rights the ship and say, you know, it was a fluky game that we probably, with better ball protection, should have won. I mean, and we'll go through the details of how big of a swing all of that was um, because it was pretty meaningful. But it it comes back to back to Willis. I mean, it has to. I mean, on the one fumble. I put out the you know the picture. There was an offensive line breakdown, and he got demolished. He had two players that were about to rip his head off, and he got he dodged one and got hit by the other, and you know he laid the ball on the ground, which is not great. But other than that, the other mistakes um, pretty clear, clearly fell on on his shoulders. So there's not another way to really walk away from the game other than you know talking about about that, and um, maybe that's. You know, I think it's mostly fair and maybe a little bit unfair for a couple plays, but I think that has to be the narrative that you walk away with. There were good parts of the game, and we're going to talk about them for sure, but the five turnovers were pretty much the undoing. However, I'm not completely convinced that if you were just take away the, all those turnovers that we would have won. I think but, the difference in this game is where they all took place. Yeah. <clears throat> right? So that... Yeah, I totally agree with you. You can't just look at a game in a vacuum and just say, yeah, there's a five to one turnover ratio and that's the game. The fact is two of them were in the end zone. So they were, they were, they were attempted touchdown passes. um, And both of those passes were extremely bad. I mean, they were very, very bad. And one of them, Robinson was broke wide open and the pass was going to the, to the wrong player and that was bad. And then the other one was throwing into double coverage. The fumble 
which resulted, I believe, in a touchdown was when we were at our own like 20 or 25. Yeah, and, and it was like 17 yards or something. Yeah. Drive. Yeah. So that immediately resulted in, you know, another touchdown. Um, and then the Grimsley uh, muff punt was another one that led to a touchdown. So like right there, you that's a lot of point swings like very quickly in 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 short shorter yardage sometimes red zone um areas the other interception didn't lead to anything i think bc ended up punting on it um so that it was where they took place i think more so than anything else um if it was just you know we're at our own 20 and um you know he throws a bomb for you know whatever 65 yards and then you know bc gets their ball back at the their own 40 or their own 35 then i think it's a totally different situation and then you can kind of be like what well, how's the defense react it was just where the where it happened was just so brutal so willis overall 344 yards four touchdown passes and the three picks he what the problem with Willis was because obviously 344 yards is a lot, but he threw it 47 times because we were down a ton, and he got rattled. He also got hit quite a bit. I rattled uh, just in the sense of I guess the environment and first game jitters and stuff, but also physically rattled. Like got took some brutal shots running the ball and got hit a bunch of times, <clears throat> and then he started to press once we got down, and that's where those two interceptions in the end zone came from staring down receivers and then just basically lofting it up. The one you talked about both of them, Brandon Sebastian made a nice grab on the one ball and got completely, you know, undercut and still hung on to it. So I'll give him a little bit of credit, but that was the total like stare down job on, on that interception. Yeah. To Patterson. I think it was that took a undercut him and he still held on. The run game deserves blame as well. Willis wasn't the only problem. 98 yards rushing. That's only happened that we've gone under 100 four times under Fuente. 2.3 yards per rush. Holston had like one good run the whole day and got injured on it. McLeese was pretty ineffective. I thought King showed a little something, but they were all right around three yards per carry. No one could break free. It seemed as if the offensive line wasn't getting a good push in combination with BC knowing exactly what we were doing. And that that combination didn't go well. So then we had to rely more heavily on the pass game. And even though they lost their DB coach, even though they lost a ton of guys in the back, BC was confident in what they had, and they deserved to be. All their guys, they looked pretty good out there. And I, and part of it was we were making them look good, but they all play with such high motor. The linebackers, the defensive backs, the D-line had one returning starter. They they made life really difficult for us and and I and I don't know if I uh, should give them credit or blame our offensive staff. Yeah, I think um, on the run game, I think you hit it spot on. I think all of our running backs, leading rushing running backs, which wasn't wasn't a whole lot of yards, uh, all averaged around three yards a carry. That's just not that's not going to do it. And there just there wasn't a lot there. Willis tried to, I mean, Willis had to end up being the one taking the ball when we had tough fourth down situations and tough third down situations. He, you know, he did, uh, I'll give him credit. There were a number, I think four plays that he, you know, basically just made himself to get the first down. I mean, absolutely just went out there. Um, There is right now, and I'm not saying there won't be, there's no fear of this running game 
whatsoever. And that's a problem. And whether that's the push on the offensive line or whether, you know, we just don't have the running back core to do it. I think King is going to be really good. Uh, I think he ran really hard for a guy that's that undersized right now. And it needs to, uh, and will spend more time in the weight room and build up that size. He has good speed. He has good motor, good shift, but you know, he just, he's just not that, that running back, um, Right now, in this and there moment. was no room for him. Yeah, if he had had just a little bit more room, I feel like he could have broken a couple. Because you're right, I agree with you fully that he was running hard and had that wiggle that we saw on his high school tape. So that's very encouraging against a team where we can open up a little bit more space. Yeah, and you know, going back to Willis a little bit on pass protection. Um, this was pretty incredible, and I noticed it throughout the game, and I think I mentioned it to you earlier today. When I was running the stats, he passed out of the pocket 94% of the time. The highest that's happened under for Willis was 85% of the time that he passed out of the, out of the pocket because usually he was scrambling for his life uh, in, in the way that our offensive line used to have pass protection, um, and their average was usually like 78% of the time. So... He had he had more time in the pocket. Um, it obviously, I think, resulted in some good plays and then a couple plays that I don't think you could pin on anybody else but him. I mean, the, the, yes, they were coming for his life. the The run game was not good and and didn't allow him to have as, maybe as much space as he want. But he had room in the pocket and he was able mm-hmm. to get passes off um, almost for the entire entire game. Um, which and, would- and it's evidenced by the fact that there were only two sacks. I, I, with how many dropbacks there were, that's, a, that's pretty low. And I, I agree with you on the whole. Yes, the linebackers were making it tough to get past the line of scrimmage. But he did have a clean pocket for a number of throws and made a number of, of good throws. He obviously, he had, what, 29 completions? So he, he had time to throw the ball. Uh, let's talk about defense real quick before we move to the positive stuff. And we're, we're not going to rail on, the, on all the negative the whole time here. But the first half defense needs to be mentioned. I'll admit, I didn't know BC was going to go that up-tempo. I had read a little bit about how they're going to go tempo. Everyone goes tempo now. But... BC was flying to the line of scrimmage. I that was the fastest I've I've almost seen anyone get in that first half. They were going fast, and our guys were so tired. The, the I saw Caleb Farley at one point. His whole body was like shaking because he was breathing so hard because he had just ran back and forth down the field like ten times in a row. So that was a that was a, a surprise to me that they would go that fast, and it obviously caught Bud's defense off guard. They were on their heels and did not look prepared. Now, they might have been prepared, but the up-tempo took them out of it. I don't know. But regardless, 350 yards of offense given up in the first half is just horrible, and it did us in. I mean, we didn't. Sc- we only scored 28 points. They had 28 points at halftime. So it was, it was pretty much over just because our defense couldn't get their crap together in the first half. They were getting behind our DBs like several times there was those two long passes, one that went for the touchdown. And I, I don't know, it got a lot better in the second half and that's going to be part of my good later, but there was no excuse for that start from the defense really. Yeah. I mean, Zay flowers was a surprise. Anybody that thought he was that fast. I mean, Farley couldn't keep up with them, but Farley's quick. And that was, that was tough. I did not expect Brown to be able to throw the ball 
that well and you know that on point i don't think any of us did that's not what we expected coming into this game i think our defense did well interestingly what a lot of people thought that they were going to do we you know we pulled up a lot of our players to help make sure and contain aj dillon still only had 83 yards right and that's a heisman caliber running back and uh, i forget what the stat was but it's like the one of the top five lowest that he's had on the yeah, field. Yeah, I I I said it was uh, seventh lowest of his career. Yeah. Uh, and the only ones that were lower were like us two years ago, and the uh, two of the top five were Clemson. So it was a very good performance in terms of containing him. Unfortunately, they do have other guys that run the ball, and Anthony Brown showed to be the better quarterback. That that's one of the areas I wanted to very much note that we were wrong. We thought. We had the better quarterback in this matchup, and in that game, we did not. Uh, Willis, yes, he can throw it. He threw for a lot of yards. He got four touchdowns. Anthony Brown was better. He was. He didn't turn the ball over three times in the air and once on the ground. You know, he just was the better quarterback that day, and he looked like he developed. And Willis looked like there was either no development or regression. And so that's definitely an area where we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with that, and. Um... You know, they had, you know, Kobe White and Hunter Long. Kobe went for 73 yards. Long had 53 yards. You know, they they attacked us in a more unique way than I would have expected. I didn't expect them to run that much speed early on. Granted, I think it ended up gassing them in the second half, uh, quite frankly, that they couldn't even keep up the pace. Um, and that was part of the point. reason that things got tightened down. Um, and But overall... I walked away looking at the defense um, with with concerns, absolutely, but it actually looked better in some of the areas that I was most concerned about at times. Right, yeah. like at the defensive Hold that thought line. for just one second, because I, yeah, I want to talk about that. Uh, the only two other negatives I had was there was no urgency at the end of the game when we were trying to like tie the score, and. Or I guess we were down two touchdowns. So we're down two touchdowns. There's five minutes left, and we're running the ball again and again. And and I know you can't just drop back and pass it every single time, but time was of the essence. We and we were, I don't know, man. We were we were Mike London out there, Mike London time cop. <laughs> screwing up the. We needed to. We needed more urgency. Plain and simple. We needed to score faster. And and we just didn't do it. So that I thought was bad. And I guess that's it. I, the, the turnovers, the end of the game, and the first half defense. That was that was really my major complaints. Yeah, I agree with that. And listen, I uh, you know we don't we we don't have to come up with the hurry up offense and have to execute it on the field. It just seemed really slow. I mean, I think that drive took us over five minutes. If I if I'm not mistaken, is is what yeah, that it was drive like five. Five something, yeah. Yeah, I and here's five forty. If you're and you need to be smart about how you execute it, but if you don't execute it fast, you're losing the game either way. Like it's either a, 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 either you execute it fast and you have a chance to tie it up and maybe you know maybe win, whatever the case may be, or you run it slow and you still lose, right? Like <laughs> like the, those are the two options. So I understand there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of confidence in Willis at that point to just, you know, air out the ball and, you know, throw well, a 40 yard pass. But 
you were going to lose either way. Like if you don't, if you don't actually take that chance and speed up that first touchdown that we needed, then the second touchdown doesn't even really matter because you're not going to have time. And for it, it wasn't, it wasn't even not throwing it though. It was also running it and then not just getting right back to the line of scrimmage and going faster. Like there, it just seemed like even the running plays, if you wanted to just say, yeah, we needed to do those at that time in between them needed to be quicker. Getting the call in needed to be quicker. Everything needed to be quicker, but it wasn't. Let's do a quick beer break before we talk about the good parts of the game and our next opponent. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm having, we may have already had this one on here, which I'm just realizing, but it's the 2019 Farmhouse Series uh, from Amagang Brewery out of uh, Cooperstown, the Hop State IPA. Um, maybe we've had one of the past iterations of it. Uh, it is, it's, it's, it's okay. It's actually, it's, it's not great. I mean, I've had a lot of, um, of their beers that are fantastic. And this one I would say is relatively middle of the road. So would I get it again? I don't know that I actually would. And that's probably saying a lot against a, a brewery that I really, really like and, and appreciate, but it's the Hop State IPA, and um, the flavors are just, it's just, it's not that great. I am drinking the Hop Peak IPA by Breckenridge Brewing. This is a really good beer. I think that you would enjoy it. I don't know if you've had this one or not, but it's called the Hop Peak IPA. It says complex and aromatic with notes of citrus and pine, which that's virtually any IPA worth its weight. So, yeah, it's it's kind of right down the middle but it's it's well done and breckenridge i usually like their beers they're i I wouldn't say they always blow me out of the water but this one i think it's it's making me feel good right now i can't find the percentage but it's pretty good hot peak ipa let's do the good stuff man and i think the first thing was the receivers because when you throw for that many yards and and you're kind of blaming the quarterback, then the receivers must have had a good day. And Grimsley, Robinson, Caleb Smith, and Trey Turner all had four-plus catches and 50-plus yards. That's good distribution when you're missing one of your best guys in Hazleton. And also, uh, there was a lot of nice grabs, like really hard catches. James Mitchell made a really nice contested catch for the touchdown. So tight ends, receivers, they played a great game, I thought. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, you know, and this isn't a negative as much as this, you know, you get into sample size error. Our yards after catch were, and again, after I ran my numbers, 3.3 yards after catch. And I wanted to like hone in on that statistic because I was watching the game and a lot of our passes were like boom, boom passes, right? Like you're throwing into somebody that's getting covered hard because of the way BC was running their defense in the secondary. So, there wasn't a lot of room to do what we had heard all off season was making people miss and finding those opportunities to make people miss. I mean, I think our average last year was around nine yards. Um, and again, it's one game versus, um, you know, multiple games from last year. So I, I think it's, it, it also is a testament to how closely a lot of the wide receivers and young wide receivers with Turner and Robinson were covered in those games, making hard catches and 
when you're making hard catches, you're usually not, you know, you're not going for 20 yards after you get the ball. You're usually in tight coverage uh, at that point. Some of Robinson's catches were were really nice. Grimsley, I think he caught, I think he was four for four. There might have been like a throw out of bounds like near him or something like that. But, you know, he caught everything that he had. If you just ignore the, um, you know, the muff punt, he had a great day as well. I, with Hazelton out, I thought that they played extremely well and and made a lot of contested tough catches on the ball. Yeah, for sure. Caleb Smith's, I think, were the two most impressive. The one where he was basically underneath the guy, caught the ball and held on, and his head like slammed into the turf. And then the touchdown where he was fully extended was a really nice grab. So glad he's on scholarship now because we need, <laughs> we needed him. Uh, and so the next good thing I had was the defense really stiffened in the second half. I, I, we, we mentioned a little bit earlier, only 76 yards compared to the 350 that they gave up in the first half, only 76 in the second half, 2.5 yards per play in the second half. Now you can just swing it right back around. Well, BC was up by two scores, so maybe they – but they did play a lot better. The assignments was better. They did three straight three and outs. That doesn't – that just doesn't just happen by accident. I think the net of those three drives was zero yards as well. Yeah. So it, it was a really nice beginning to the second half for our defense. Ashby and the linebackers as a whole, I thought looked great. Uh, 13 tackles for Ashby, three and a half tackles for loss and our only sack. And he got and uh, I also linebacker went, player of the week, ACC linebacker player of the week. He got as well for that. Oh yeah, that's right. And then I wanted to mention Kendrickson Pollard, the true freshman defensive tackles. They look like the real deal at DT. And thank God they decided to come to Virginia Tech because they're playing game one, important, important snaps. Yeah, I was, um, I, I know there'll be, there was not a lot of pass pressure, right? Like, they, like there wasn't a lot of pressure in that area, but the contain, I thought, looked, um, a lot better than I expected. I went into this game just fearful of just getting absolutely demolished at the line. And, and I know that BC replaced a lot, but you know, that is a position in offensive line that BC recruits so well and puts out, you know, really good players and they held their own uh, at the line. And a lot of that was also on the linebackers. Like we thought them pulling forward and making some really tough tackles and Ashby, you know, was a was a game changer with the speed, the toughness. That that guy is going to be in the NFL. I mean, I'm quite certain of it with just how talented he is and what he can do. Um, I was I was much more impressed the first half. Like Bud said in his press conference, he said, "I wish we played the whole game like you know you would imagine the whole way that they played in the second half." But once they got their feet underneath them. I think they made a lot of progress. I think there's a lot of maturity that happened on that defense in the in the second half that they can take forward in games. Yeah, I think I think that was a it was nice to see because it could have gone the other way. You know, they could have just folded as the game went on and it could have turned into like the pit situation, but it didn't. And yeah, I, I don't know if Ashby's gonna play a lot in the NFL. He might. But he's just like a keg with arms. Like he is just like looks looks solid as a rock. And for, as a college football player, he he is going to be really good for us. Other than that, did you have any positive takeaways from the game? Just 
defense playing well in the second half, receivers. Was there anything else? Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, Diablo played had 10 tackles. I thought he played, you know, pretty well. Um I I think that I think Dylan if you on some of those runs that I think I, you can see how powerful he is and how damaging he is and um, when he hits sometimes, I, I was honestly scared that he was just going to blow right through. But I think it showed that the offseason strength training actually worked out pretty well for, for our team in order to contain somebody that's that powerful. I, I think that was that was it. I mean, for me, it came down to wide receiver talent, young players kind of across the board that learned and got their feet underneath them. I thought that Willis, honestly, we're going to, we're going to rake him over the coals for the turnovers, but he also extended a lot of drives that we could not make up for without a run game that they, they wouldn't have happened, right? This game could have been way more lopsided if he didn't extend some of those fourth downs. Um, even some of the third downs where he took hard hits and including getting blown into his own sideline, uh, on, on one of his runs. So, that's really why, and the second half defense, I think, gives us a lot to learn from. Those were those were kind of my key positive takeaways for the team as a whole. Yeah, and just a takeaway in general is that we had, you hinted at it, so many young guys on the field, especially considering the injuries that took place during the game, and I guess just before the game, and, and Hazleton and uh, Robert Porter not playing. But guys who left the game was Garbett, Quillen, Holston, Rogers, Hoyt, Turner, and Diablo were both in and out. So places that you can't lose guys, like defensive line and DB, we had three guys hurt in the secondary and two on the defensive line. So you had, at one point, four freshmen playing on the defensive line. Some red shirts, some not. But on the defensive line, going up against A.J. Dillon, you've got four freshmen playing extensive, extensive snaps. And like you said, they acquitted themselves somewhat well, especially in the second half. But it could have been so much worse when you consider all that. So that that needs to be a takeaway as well that unfortunately, and I am so tired of this, we are we're young. We are still very young. And there's there's four seniors in our two deep when it when they're all healthy and at the end of the game that wasn't even the case so we're playing a lot of young guys and missing hazelton that's that's big too i mean that's a big physical receiver that is huge for us and not having him hurt so let's do our overall thoughts before we move into odu and and i'll let you go first just to yeah, sum it up. I think it was pretty easy for me. So if we want to kind of go both sides, you can't just evaluate one side to the other, right? BC missed a field goal that was probably makeable. So that's three points right there. It, Brown threw an interception that, you know, could have been um, a touchdown. Uh, so that's seven. So 10 points right there. On our side, we coughed up the short field, you know, the, the punt. That was an easy seven for them. Threw two picks in the end zone. That's 14 points. Had another pick that actually didn't result in anything, so they could have. They ended up punting off of that, so kind of no harm, no foul, but doesn't look good. And we took too long on our final drive when we needed to hurry up and get 14 points in the game. Like this, if if we're playing better mental football, this probably is a seven point win based on my estimation for Virginia Tech. And instead, we didn't, 
and you know that that ends up losing to by seven. I think there's probably 14 points of swing right there. So for me, I think it's the team staying, um, not getting too negative, and recognizing all of the mistakes that you know were made. And if they play better mental football in what they're doing, and more thought, more methodical in some of the attempts that they're making on the offensive side of the ball, um, then this. We could be we could be talking about a seven point win that we don't feel great about right now. Instead, we're talking about a seven point loss that we don't feel great about. Yeah, I would say my overall thought is we overreacted in week one last year. Right, we beat FSU, and me and you today are on cloud nine a year ago. The defense doesn't lose a step despite all the turnover. We're going to be great this year. This is awesome. We're going to win eight, nine, ten games, whatever. And that didn't turn out to be the case. Florida State was no good, and it was all a sham. So let's not overreact because maybe BC is going to win eight games for the first time in a decade. <laughs> and they're actually a, a, a decent team, and we just screwed up too much and really should have won this game. But at the same time, it's a shame that most of those mistakes came from our most senior player. I mean, Ryan Willis is going to be 23 this month. It's that's the thing. You looking at this game in a vacuum. Yes, you go up to a tough conference foe on the road and you lose by one score. Not so bad. You know, we don't always do so well in Chestnut Hill. So no big deal. Let's brush it off. But you can't look at it in a vacuum. You have to look at everything that's gone on the last year. You have to look at what BC was bringing back, how many question marks they had, how many we had, the the quarterback coming back for the second year in a row. And it's annoying to see the same mistakes. Like go back to Fuente's first two games, Liberty and Tennessee. What do we see? Fumbles, turnovers, uh, uh, losing a game in the battle of Bristol. That was a very winnable game. What did we see on Saturday? Losing a very winnable game on the road. It's that's, what's frustrating is that there are still so many symptoms and bad things we've seen over the years that, we're present on Saturday. And I think that that's what upsets me the most is that I couldn't just blame everything on youth because a lot of the blame fell on the oldest player on the field. Yeah. So that, that, that that's what's tough to take. And now we've lost five of our last six ACC games. This is, it's not, you can't do it in a vacuum. You just, you can't look at it in a vacuum. I want to, and you can say, well, in the year we lost battle at Bristol, we won 10 games that season. That's true. But that was a very different team with a lot more senior leadership and a lot more proven guys. So I, you can swing it this way, you can swing it that way, but ultimately it's, it's a tough loss to stomach in my personal opinion. I don't think it dooms the team. I think the team can still have a very good season, rip off a bunch of wins. Uh, we have three weeks to get healthy, right? Before we play Duke, we've got ODU, Furman and a bye. And if you don't go out and you don't crush the next two teams, well, then there are much, much bigger problems. But we've got time to get healthy and still make this a very, very good season. It's just disappointing in the media afterglow here. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you, you raised a point that's actually pretty interesting. And now that I'm thinking about it even more after my 50th time thinking about this, you wonder how much 
the the narrative of this program we're all we're all trying to figure out what the identity is and there's been a lot of talk about what the identity of this program is and the one thing that you know fuente has always said is um you know is 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 not making mistakes you know controlling the football not not turning it up not coughing it up those sorts of things I wonder how much that ends up backfiring, right? Like how much is the starting quarterback, the first time you throw an interception, you start playing even tighter because it's like, oh man, Fuente's only number one priority is not turning over the football. So what happens when I do it the next day? You know what I mean? Like, And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Willis should be out there slinging the ball, just you know, being reckless with it, but... That that plays on your mind, right? When like your number one priority is solely, you know, don't turn over the football. Like, it's- and we went back on forth on this a little bit too because should we give Fuente credit for not pulling Willis? Should we blame him for not pulling Willis? And and that's a tough question to answer because we don't know what he's seeing from Hendon Hooker every day in practice. And I would say, based on the fact that he wasn't pulled, that's one a gesture not to ruin his confidence but two, a reflection on Hendon Hooker to a degree because it was pretty bad there at, at one point in the game. Um, it, the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. And, and you said to me, well, if you don't pull him and then he throws three more interceptions, what does that do to his confidence, right? So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't have those answers. They have them. It's right. just for us to kind of look at and just, you know, we'll be confused by it and you, you just hope it improves on the field. I just... I wonder about the psyche that players are are going in with, and, and when things start to go bad, and that that's concerning because we've we've seen those to your point as far back as the Tennessee game. Those those sorts of things start to have their own effect on the game. So mm-hmm. we'll see. And I, we're cutting into our ODU time a little bit here, but that's okay. My last thing I'd like to say is that the play calling, the adjustment to who the quarterback is by the coaches could also be better because we've known that Ryan Willis doesn't run Fuente's offense the way he wants it to be run. It, that's been the case for a while now, is that the way he wants it to be run, it seems Willis just isn't actually capable. His skill set doesn't doesn't allow it, right? So what have you done to help him? And and And, and they've probably done a lot to a degree. But the play calling at times again, and, and we ripped Coach Corn a, a bunch last year during the season. It seemed to start to get better at the end. They were they were shifting things towards his strengths, and I, I, we just need to keep doing that. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to be the. I don't want to go into the, like just blasting the coaches or whatever. Because, but they are ultimately responsible. I prefer to not blast the players as much as I'd like to blast the coaches because the coaches are making a ton of money coaching the sport. So um, they can do better too and put Willis in better position and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Do you want to move to ODU now or what? Do you? Yeah. Well, actually, can can I just say something about um, the experience of being up there? Because I, I actually did get a chance to go to Marianne's after the game. Oh, how'd that go? Because before the game, they weren't open uh, – right like so we got there pretty early like noon or whatever game started at four figure we'll be plenty early go to this bar city side which is right on the corner of beacon street across from the reservoir completely packed with hokies my wife and i walked in and like we were the last two in before it was one in one out and there was a line of tech people wrapped around the door there was like maybe one or two bc hats in the whole place 
otherwise, because no one had any place to tailgate. So they all congregated at the only bar that was across from the stadium. And then I walked over to Marianne's at one point because we had other people meeting us and we couldn't stay because it was one in, one out. And they were like, there was a line of people forming at Marianne's because they hadn't opened yet. So that they were opening at like one or two or something. So we walked down to this place called like Public House and they had this long, extensive uh, Belgian and German beer list. And that actually proved to be pretty fun. I've, I've been there. And uh, Rogie's used to be right around the corner of where you were. I used to go to the two pizza shops. I lived about a block from there when I was at BC. So um, I used to go to Cityside when we were being more mature. I would go to Marianne's when I felt like being a degenerate. And then I would pop over to uh, Public House when I felt like I had a few extra shekels in my pocket and I could actually pay for a decent beer. I did play some Papa Shot in Marianne's with my buddy uh, Jeff, who you met on a bachelor party. And overall, it was a fun day. I mean, the the weather was perfect, and they sold beer in the stadium, and they had a nice selection of beer as well. Um, and my mother in law was there, and she had like she had bought a tech shirt and bought tech earrings. And my I guess aunt in law and her husband Fred, Kathy and Fred were there, and so. It was fun. We had a great time. They live in Boston, so they showed us around the next day. The whole thing was was fun, except for the fact that they, you know, I got these three family members looking at me during the game, like innocently asking, like, "Huh, why is your team playing so bad? Like, we thought <laughs> we thought they were favored to win." It's like, oh god. <laughs> so, uh, it it was <laughs> that part of it was a little bit tough, but I, I think I handled myself pretty well considering the situation and 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 the day overall was just it was a winner. But the the game was not. Yeah. And was Marianne's? Did they fix it up at all, or is it still as big of a? No, uh, it's it's as big of a. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what I did. I did make a huge mistake there. I ordered a draft beer, <laughs> and <laughs> it was like the funkiest tasting. Like I, I turned to Jeff at one point. I'm like, "Does this taste weird to you?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Why did we not get bottles? <laughs> like this was a huge mistake." The bottles would probably be skunk too. That place is uh, that place is a trash heap. It's hilarious. I love it. Oh, also the first two people I saw when I got to Cityside was Hokey Barrick. That's his name on Twitter, Barrick, and then uh, VT Fritz, also his name on Twitter. And we had both been to Fritz's house last year before the or two years ago before the Clemson game. I can't remember exactly, but. Yeah. We had all met, but those are the first two guys I saw. So we dapped them up and said, what's up? And that was cool. You know, you're in, you're in a place far away from home and you happen to see two people you, you sort of know through, through Twitter. So that was cool. Um, all right, let's move on now. Old Dominion was four and eight in 2018, 109th in the S and P plus, and they beat us. <laughs> it was their only win in their first seven games of the season but they closed strong with a three and two finish to finish at that four and eight mark. They are coached by Bobby Wilder, but they also added two former Virginia Tech assistants recently in Brian Steinspring and Galen Scott. So they they not only added her assistants, but they also added a couple of our players too, and Eric Kuma and Chris Cunningham. So there's a lot of tech going on over at ODU right now. Their projected S P plus coming into 2019 was 119th. The Phil Steele Power Pole put them at 117, and Athlon somehow also put them at 117. So no one is predicting ODU to be very good, but when we played them last year, you'll remember, Robbie, they were 0-3 and had lost to Charlotte. So it was not looking good for them last year either. Yeah, I mean, I think we are 
it, it, look no further than what just happened to uh, Tennessee. Uh, it's never a good look to start uh, uh, ripping on opponents right now when you're a program that's a little bit off its game. So um, no. I'm, I don't plan on doing that whatsoever or overlooking this game, which is kind of sad because back in the day, uh, other than you know, like the JMU game where we got you know shell shocked, uh, we used to not have to do this, but this these days it's time to uh, you know just kind of own what we are and pay attention to every opponent. Yeah, that was like the first thing I wrote down is we can never overlook ODU ever again after last year. They played so far over their skis it was outrageous, but it happened. And what's what's to say that it wouldn't happen again because it was so unfathomable last year that. The line's the same. I mean, it's exactly the, the same. It, so it's the same amount as unpredictable as it was last year. So we can't overlook them. And they were a 28-point favorite over the team that they beat, which is an FCS team, and they almost lost to them. Uh, so, you know, everything. Who was that? Uh, they played. Oh, Norfolk State, you're saying? Yeah, they were a 28-point favorite over them, and they were only they won really? by a touchdown over them. So this, well, yeah, the number the, uh, 28 is now banned from all uh from all existence in vt land yeah i wrote down they beat norfolk state 24 to 21 they had a fourth quarter comeback but i didn't realize that they were that heavy a favorite they were that that is crazy okay so yeah uh kuma had four catches in that game cunningham had a catch so our guys are already contributing for them the the nice thing about odu is last year one of the reasons in july of 2018 that I tweeted out. I don't care what the line is. I'm nervous about ODU because they had so many seniors. There's 20 plus seniors on their roster last year. If you went through their two deep in the Athlon, which I did earlier this week, 44 guys, offense and defense in the two deep, you know, 11 and 11 times two, 24 of that two deep are no longer on the team. That's an incredible amount of turnover. They took 33 guys in their recruiting class in 2019, 14 JUCOs, five transfers. So they just reshuffled almost the entire deck. And someone's, you know, pointed out to me, actually, that's more like half the deck. But for a football team, that's that's a lot of change. And it's good because Jimenez, O'Shane, he had 18 and a half tackles for loss last year, was just causing destruction on our offensive line in the game. Jeremy Cox, they're running back. You remember that big body, like bowling over our guys. Blake LaRussa, fortunately, left for seminary school, so he's no longer on the team. He could have played, but he decided to become a priest. Is that is that what seminary school is? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> and then they lost their top three wide receivers and six of their top nine tacklers. So we should be okay. I think we should win this game. Well, how do you feel? I feel like this is uh, a, we're on a podcast that talks about football, sometimes drops uh, bad words, and uh, we do beer on the podcast, and we're talking about seminary school. But other than that, <laughs> um, which is a little bit unique, uh, I I feel better. You know the it's the story. I think you you tell is. Why do juniors and seniors and mature players, more mature players in terms of years experience matter? And it's because they've seen situations more so than um, just going out and playing good football. They've seen times that you're down and then you come back and you win. They've seen times that you're up and then you, you know, you end up 
getting a little bit complacent and you end up losing. So that is, I think, part of the reason that they had so much resolve uh, in in last year's win and what they they thought that they could just win. They They honestly believed it. It's also the reason that I'm a little bit more concerned for this year in that, and I hate to harp on it again because I know everybody's getting really annoyed with it. We have a younger team. We don't have as experienced of a team, right? So if a couple things cut the wrong way and then all of a sudden we're down a little bit, um, I've always talked about since we started this podcast five years ago, like pressing, like when you start pressing, you brought it up earlier. Like that's how I always think about it. Like, I think about it when you're at a gambling table and you're down on your chips and then you like, you kind of press too hard and then all of a sudden it just gets worse and worse. And then you got to know how to take a step back. Um, and that's how I, are you I, saying that scared money don't make money? Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I didn't mean to throw you off track, No, but it's, it's, it's true. It's kind of the opposite of that. I think it's, you know, you have to have the confidence and the resolve that some of our more, uh, mature, not mature. I mean, more senior teams have had when we went down and we came back and we ended up winning in situations that we probably shouldn't have when it was Notre Dame, when it was Arkansas, you know, those games, you know, that's the maturity that you find when you can just say, we can still win this game. That's what they had this year. That's a lot of what they lost. That said, um, this game, I think, if it doesn't start exactly right, it will test what the maturity is of this team or how fast that they can grow within a game to know what happened last year and to not just... And just put that out of mind. Like you have to get rid of that from last year. You have to exercise the demon and you got to move forward. Let's hope they get off and running. I think that they will. Most people think that we are going to truck ODU this year because of the revenge factor, because we're at home and not on the road in a very weird stadium. And I agree with some of that. Doesn't mean I'm not, doesn't mean I'm not a little nervous that, that, and you look at who they have at quarterback and running back. Some some decent players here. Not anything too proven. You got, you got two JUCO guys coming in at quarterback. I, I see Stone Smart got the nod in the Norfolk State game, but an equally cool name in Messiah DeWeaver could have been their starter. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Williams is still on the team, the kid that started as a true freshman in lane two years ago. But he's not even really in the running. It's pretty much between Stone and and Messiah. And like I said, Stone started. He's a dual threat. He had he had a decent game. Of course, I didn't know that the opponent was so unlikely to compete with them that maybe he didn't have that decent of a game. I mean, I think and there's an advantage to ODU that they have they have some inside knowledge of the VT program, whether it's the coaches um, that they have on there, whether it's Heck, you could call it just, you know, Kuma and Cunningham having a lot of energy to play against, you know, the, the against VT and show that they, you know, they could still be there. They could still beat up on that team. I, I, you could see that starting to surround in the locker room and being a narrative that they want to carry forward. Uh, I, I think having the, the revenge factor, I, I hate this term so much, but it's true where it's the the whole business trip like we're we're like just we're going to play football like that's that's all we're going to do i think that has a lot of merit to it and i think that's a, been a kind of a long standing um commentary from coaches cuz that's how they want to 
treat it. Like there's, there's emotion and then there's too much emotion, right? Where like something happens, say there's another muffed punt, say there's another bad interception. Like it just starts to spiral. I think when you have the emotion behind that, it makes, it exacerbates what could already be a bad situation and makes it even worse. And I don't think that's what this game is about. I think this game is about VT going out onto the field and showing that they they're they're talented. They are a talented team, and they can go out and they can win this game. Um, I'm not going to predict that they it's a blowout. All I care about is whether they win by one or they win by twenty. I'll chalk it up as a win. Like get past this hurdle of what's happened in the past and and move forward with it. Um, Smart was 17 for 23 in the last game. No TD passes, one interception, rushed for a TD. I, I Rushing Lala Davis, 16 carries for 62 yards, one on the ground. There, I don't think... And he was their leading rusher last year. That's too, right. right. And they switched to a 4-2-5 on the defense, so we'll see how that ends up playing out you know, against us. So they're, they're in a new transition on, on that side of the ball as well. And they got decimated by departures, I think more so on the defense than even on the offense. And the offense was bad, but their D-line and their secondary just got crushed by senior and guys leaving the program. So their linebackers are the only position, Larry Garner and uh, was it uh, Young? Yeah. Those are the guys that you could look out for. But, man, that D-line, the number of guys that are gone is, is, is amazing. So like we thought might happen with BC with the offensive line trying to impose their will and John Harris, maybe having to start for VT. It should not matter. It should absolutely not matter if they are not plowing through their defensive line for most of this game. There's a giant problem. Like there, there just is because we should, we should completely win the line of scrimmage in this game. Both sides of the ball should win the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think if that if that proves to be the case early on, I think it'll open up the pass. And I do think that if we get somewhat of an early lead and we feel like we're controlling the line of scrimmage with something that looks like a, a real a real run game, then I think we'll open it back up to the pass to try and get confidence back to to what ended up being. Um, you know, the downfall of the last game, which was which the turnovers for Willis. I think he needs to get out there and have some confidence in the second half to throw the ball around. And if we start playing tight still in the second half and we do have a lead, I'm going to be worried again because it, that that's something that we should be able to do. Do you find it hilarious and trolling that they made Kuma and Cunningham captains for this game? I love it. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. I, it's... I, I don't, I'm done with the ill will or if there ever was any, I don't think I really had any. I, I think it's kind of funny. I think both players on either side, I think it matters more to the fans than it does to the players, quite honestly. Yeah. Well, when I heard it, I was just like, that makes sense. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? And, you know, you also have to do it because with all of that turnover, what would be most dangerous if that was a bunch of juniors is guys coming back into this game from ODU saying, we did it last year, guys. There's nothing to be afraid of. We can do it again this year. With all that turnover and so many JUCOs coming in and so much replacement, 
who's going to like, how many people are there in the locker room? They're going to be like, no, I was there. I did that. You, you know what I mean? You, well, what's funnier to think about is if Kuma was like, you, we did it last year. We can do it this year. It's like, actually, no, you were on our other team last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, that it doesn't. That really doesn't bother me. I really don't care that much. I honestly, again, not to go back to the, the business trip, but like, it's a football game. Like, go out there, play football, play how you should play, and play to your level, and you should win this game. And again, I don't care about the spread in this game. I don't care what it is. I, I care about winning by a point or more and I'm good. Let's move on to the next week. If, you know, assuming that if we win by one point, you are not going to be good. <laughs> I think, I think I will be like, I, 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 again, it depends on what happens on the field. I'm not going to feel great right. about it, but it's going to be a lot better than, you know, walking away. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's yeah. frightened. This game has, with everything that was in the locker room that we found out about, everything that we heard about, this game is about writing the ship in the program, not about like what 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 this means on the season. It like it just means about like getting things stable again back within the program to me. I mean, that's that's my thought. And other people probably would disagree with that and say, no, you if you don't win this by twenty eight, then this program's a wreck. Fine. You, you have whatever thought you want. For me, it's about riding the ship of the program. We should drop 60 points on these fools. Like we we absolutely need to score points and flex our muscles <laughs> for the first time in a while. We need to just score and score and score and let the defense handle them. I mean, two years ago, we shut them out. I don't know if this defense is capable of doing something like that, but with what they have, it's possible you know, their 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 best player on offense is a the guy they just got from us last year, and Eric Kuma. That, the most likely, that that's really what's going on here. So, go out there, use what you know about those players that went to ODU, and just kill them, please, for the love of God, kill them. Yeah, I mean, I again, I'm on my I'm on my heels since I'm already eating crow, and we're only one game into the season. But, um, yeah. I. I, listen, in the Furman game, I would be taking the same tack that you are right now. And given it's ODU and the repercussions of us going out and not playing as well as we should are just, they're really high at this point. I mean, you're going to lose like a lot if if this game does not go well. Um, just from confidence, program recognition, the national narrative, the ODU almost did it again. You know, what's Virginia? There's just so much on the line that uh, I think it's, I think you just need to dumb it down to let's go play football, like really good football. Like forget who's on the other side, forget the shirts, who forget what, you know, what the logo is, forget all of that and just go out and play good football. Yes. No, that that's exactly what we need to do, man. Um, the line is 28 and a half. And we're not really, you know, we talked about last year, we weren't really going to pick VT games the following year. And this year, since we're going to be limited in which games we're actually allowed to pick via CBS, that we should probably just not start not picking the line now because the ODU VT game is not one of the 15 games we're all going to pick this week for our pick them. 20 and a half, I'll tell you this, not picking the game, but if I was picking the game, I wouldn't be picking Virginia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> that that wouldn't just because I'm nervous, man. I after last week and the turnovers, 
I'm yeah. not saying that we can't. Especially can. not with the white claw on the line. I mean, uh, let's let's be honest. That's that's not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> that's all right. But let's actually start our picks then. We have seven games that me and Robbie are going to pick. These seven games will be included in the pick'em, and we'll start Miami minus four and a half at UNC, an important coastal game already taking place. Mac Brown surprised the hell out of me. Surprised the hell out of a lot of people last weekend when they beat South Carolina. I think I picked. Do you I think, think UNC I can him. take down Miami? I picked UNC. I'm pretty sure. You picked them against the spread. Yeah. Did you think they were going to win? No, I didn't think they were going to win. Uh, he's already dancing in the locker room. Uh, I anticipate Miami to cover the four and a half. I know that seems a little bit crazy, but in, especially at UNC but there's just a little bit too much energy around this UNC program right now for my comfort. Miami's coming back off of a loss um, uh, in a game that, you know, they, you know, potentially could have done better in. I'm going with um, Miami in this game to cover the four and a half. I think they win by a touchdown and I think there's, everything always ends up balancing out. And do I think UNC's, you know, world beaters right now no i think they had a good game against usc east and uh, it comes to it all balances out in this one yeah i'm going to take miami that four and a half as well i i agree with you the i'm wondering how unc as a very young team will react to having that early success and i think miami is uh poised to cover that four and a half next game number 21 syracuse at maryland Maryland is two and a half point favorites. This line swung significantly just in a couple of days because it started as Q's as two and a half point favorites. And I actually went and checked. I was like, wait a minute, is who's the two and a half point favorite? And no, the line literally swung in a period of a couple of days to Maryland being favored. Josh Jackson starting for Maryland, two and a half point favorites over Q's. Who you got? I'm taking Q's here. I, I don't understand that at all, really. Um, and maybe I'm just an idiot and, and haven't figured it out, but um, nothing against Josh Jackson. I hope he has a terrific game. I just, I, I think Hughes is going to end up pulling this one out by, you know, at least a field goal. Yeah. If you're, if you're giving me cues with points, I, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take Syracuse as well. I mean, you already in agreement so far. Here we go. AM at Clemson. Clemson's 17 and a half point favorites at home. I'll pick first this time. I'm going to take A&M. And I think they could win the game. I, w- I don't think I'd put any money on the money line, but I think they can win the game. Clemson is susceptible, despite the fact that they won the title and they're loaded with four and five stars. They're susceptible. They lost a lot on that defense and all you know all their entire defensive lines in the NFL. So I think A&M... Plus 17 and a half. I'll take AM. And if you wanted to sprinkle a couple bucks, maybe you do it on the money line. Who knows? Yeah, I'm going AM. And Clemson looked great. A couple, I think it was a couple interceptions early on in their game. And then they just steamrolled on the ground. Um, and I didn't watch it, but, you know, I heard most of the narrative. I think this is more about Jimbo moving forward the A&M program than really an indictment of Clemson whatsoever to, to be able to keep it close. And it's an important game for them. I mean, with everything that they've invested in him, I think um, he's, a, he's a good coach. You may not like him, but he's a good coach, and I think he's going to move him forward. So that's where I'm going. 
they had a good showing against Clemson last year, uh, way ahead of schedule. So we'll see. Next game, LSU at Texas. Just right there with Clemson is the biggest game of the weekend. LSU, five-and-a-half-point favorites at Texas. I, uh, I'm i going to go with the Longhorns here, and it's – I don't I don't love either either one, but it's it's Joe Burrow versus Ellinger in my head. And I'm I'm gonna go with Ellinger. I just have liked him since he started as a freshman. And so I'll go Texas. Who you got? Uh I don't like the five and a half point spread. If you gave me this at like I don't know, three, then I would feel a lot better, but I'm still gonna go LSU on it. And I get Ellinger has gotten more hype in the offseason, I think, than Pretty much anybody. I mean, that's that's kind of been the the talking narrative, and it's probably because of how talented he is. Uh, I just, I'm just not, I'm not going to buy into Texas. Just like I'm not going to buy into Miami until I'm not going to buy into these teams that actually make a real resurgence. And yeah, they had a big bowl win last year, and I understand that they finished off the season pretty well in Texas. It's just. Right now, I I just can't get there. And in fact, it's more annoying that it's just every year we have to talk about it. And it's like, oh, it'll make football better, blah, blah, blah. You know, what makes football better when Texas loses? The rest of the nation, the rest of the nation's happy when Texas loses. It's just the, the national media does not like it when Texas isn't good because there's just less to talk about. There's a chance that LSU does the SEC outmuscling and blows their doors off. For me, it's it's just the gut feeling of, for some reason, I think this is Texas's moment. But that's what I thought about Oregon. And guess what? It was their moment until late in the game last week against Auburn. With three so, seconds left. Uh, right. So uh, maybe I'm going to be right this time. Maybe I'm not. We'll see. Next game, Cincy at Ohio State. Ohio State's number five, and they are 16.5-point favorites at home versus Cincinnati. Luke Fickle's Cincinnati Bearcats, who beat us in the bowl game, just put Chip Kelly to bed last week, and I couldn't have been happier about it because I freaking hate Chip Kelly for what he did to the Eagles. And I don't think that they're giving him enough credit at Ohio State. Uh, 16 and a half is the number I found. Uh, it's It was 17 and 16 in some places, but we'll go with 16 and a half. I like Cincinnati with that line. What do you, what do you got? I have the same. And granted, Luke Fickle coached at Ohio State for almost a minute. And uh, so he's got that inside knowledge of, of what's going on there. But on a more serious note, I think Cincinnati, um, I mean, I think to say for real is always like daring because then you think like, you know, top 10 program. I don't think they're that, but I think they're a dangerous program. I think their defense is pretty good. And I think Fickle has done an amazing job in recruiting a lot of players Let's not forget that Ohio State didn't want and Luke Fickle went out and got. So, um, you know, not too dissimilar. It, it, granted, the, the the scope of how good the teams are are vastly different than uh, ODU coming and, and, and beating up on Virginia Tech. Like, those are a lot of the same recruited players, and they all know each other. They A lot of them went to the same schools. Um, and Cincinnati is going to have a chip on their shoulder. For sure. Next game, Stanford at USC. Stanford beat Northwestern last week, and that got them the number 23 ranking. USC, still a one-point favorite with their quarterback being done for the year. I got nothing here. 
I mean, this is what 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 is this line like? I well, I, well, what's crazier, Robbie, is that when it opened, it was three and a half to USC, <laughs> and may, maybe that was before the the news about uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the quarterback's name at this moment, but uh, yeah, USC's quarterback is done for the season. Uh, JT Daniels, yes, is that that's right? right? And uh, so yeah, they're only one point favorites against Stanford. It is so hard for me not to take Stanford at this. This is like, this is one of those Vegas knows something. But you could say the same thing about the Fresno State game in USC last week, and Fresno kept it within a touchdown when the line was thirteen and a half. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Stanford for that reason. Yeah, I think I I have to go Stanford. I mean, after the QB loss, that's huge. It, it's and yeah, I and they beat. I mean, Northwestern is co- Pat Fitzgerald coach team, and Stanford beat them. You know, pretty good. And when I thought Northwestern was going to fight better in that game, so I agree. I, I like David Shaw. I'm going to go Stanford. I agree. Last game, Nebraska at Colorado. Again, we're picking these games because these are the ones that CBS supplied us. So we don't, we didn't pick as many ACC games as we normally do, but it's all good. This is Robbie's boy Scott Frost going to Colorado and Lavisca Chenault. Nebraska three and a half point favorites and still hanging on to that number twenty five ranking. Yeah, what do you got? They were number twenty four and they just almost lost to Alabama State. I mean, South Alabama. South Alabama. Yeah, Um, it's an opener. I get that you're going to struggle a little bit. I'm. I know this is such a weird. I'm going to take Colorado um, for that three and a half. Nebraska, that game was probably the. There was other ones that people focused in on the Tennessee game and the disaster that happened there. But I thought being ranked number 24 was outrageous going into that game, and then the way that they played South Alabama. South Alabama is not good. So in case anybody thinks it's like, oh, no, this is an undercard that can really, you know, do something that that is not a very good team. And they did not perform quite as well as I think I probably they probably should have. Yeah, if you're giving me the home team and a hook, um, I'm taking I'm taking Colorado right there three and a half. So we were the same on everything except for LSU and Texas, Texas and LSU. Yeah, that's the only one. Well, we'll see if the rest of our 15 picks are the same or not. ODU, man, I think the last, my parting thoughts would be I want to see how long Willis plays and how much Fuente tries to work in the other quarterbacks. Just not that I think Willis is in danger of losing his starting job in the instant future, immediate future, but down the road we need to develop somebody regardless of this season or not. And we need to find out what we have in game situations. So I'm very curious how the ODU game goes. I'm not chalking it up as an automatic win by any means. But I want us to get up by a lot so we can play Hooker, so we can play Patterson and do the same thing the following couple of weeks and you know before we get into the real meat of our schedule. Yeah, I mean, whether I'm not wishing anything on anybody, so don't. Don't don't get my words wrong, but like I said to you the other day, what happens if you know we have an injury? It's happened before. It happened to Josh Jackson. <laughs> it's happened uh, to Michael Brewer. Uh, you know we need to make sure that we are solid. And sometimes you're just having a bad game and a little bit of a rest and taking a quarter out and you know sitting on the bench and kind of going through and looking at 
you know, what you need to, to understand what went wrong. That's not a bad thing. And it's not always an indictment on the quarterback. It can just be what you need as a football team. You know, I was joking with you the other day, Maryland went through four quarterbacks in like the first half of the season. One time, four quarterbacks all went out season ending injuries. And they ended up with, I think it was like a converted tight end back. They had to pull back to a quarterback position. Like things can happen. You need to make sure that everybody's ready to go and typically during these types of games, that's when you would be giving those guys reps to to get them in game situations and have them ready to go. Um, we have to be able to do that. Otherwise, we could find ourselves in really dangerous waters. Yeah, and I gave I gave my assessment, at least on the line earlier, at VT and ODU. And I said, ah, I wouldn't bet on VT if, if, if I had to pick. If you had to pick. Would you take the twenty eight and a half, or would you, would you uh, take? Do you think you'd take VT to cover that? I wouldn't take the twenty eight and a half. Only hoping that that's not a, our objective. Like I, I don't think going out and running up. You know, Penn State put up seventy eight points. I think it was this past weekend. I don't think that's what we need against ODU. I think the, I think the. The point of the game is a lot different than a situation like that. I don't I don't think that's the point of this game. The point of this game is to just demonstrate like what's what happened has happened and it's in the past and we're moving forward. It's not about running up the score. That's not running up the score isn't going to do anything better for this team, I think, than you know, just winning by twenty one or winning by fourteen. I, I really honestly believe that those two things don't really matter that much. Um, in, in that situation in other games, I think it can help and it shows a lot of confidence in this game. I think it's about just getting over a hump. I think bud probably took that 49 points last year, very personally, and he is going to do everything in his power to, to make sure that total stays as close to zero as possible. So if you think that we could hold ODU to three, or 10 or zero points. Yeah, there's a good chance we could cover that 20 and a half, but I, I still wouldn't take it. All right. I'm still excited about the season. I know Robbie is too. It. We were both mad over the weekend, but I think obviously doing this podcast, talking it out, letting ourselves reflect, we know that a lot of the mistakes are correctable, and, and I'm still excited for the next few weeks and, and see if we can rev up to the Miami game. Cause that's still, that will be an exciting game. I, I'm hoping for that. All right. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT, 2DVT on Instagram as well. And then 2DVT.com is the website. Robbie is doing the stats. We're putting up the beers. You can stream all of our podcasts there. The pick them it's on CBS. We've tweeted out the link a number of times. So find our Twitter feed and click on the link. You can still join and play. If you do it before we, you know, pick for the for this first week of game. So we'd love to have more people in there. Finally, 2DVT at gmail.com is the email address where you can email us any questions, comments, or concerns that you have. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. Whew. All right. Well, until next week, go hookies. <laughs>